We are in here. Can you believe it? I'm like goosebumps. Wow. I love it. And if you're new here, you've come at an awesome time. You can just say, I was here for the first day when we were in the sanctuary again, and, and it's just awesome. My friend Ray posted a deeply personal and highly inspiring story on Facebook recently. He, he put this. He said, man, it's been 30 days since I started drinking water only, no soda. 30 days eating fruits and vegetables, no fried food, no greasy foods, no red meat, zero sugar, exercising a lot, training hard. The change in my body and mind has been amazing. I get up at 6 a.m., I run three miles even if it rains. I get home, take a cold shower, I feel full of energy. Then Ray added, I don't know whose story this is, but it's really inspiring. I hope one day I can do this. (laughs) Anyway, I got to go. My McDonald's order is up. It's hard to make good decisions, isn't it? I mean, I, I find it difficult. My wife, Kirsten, will text me, like, it's my day off and it's not. She'll say, hey, what are you doing for lunch? I'll say, I'm making poor choices, and I'll send her a picture. Come on, don't judge. You've been there too, right? Six billion people served. It's not just me eating McDonald's. <laughs> we all make choices. We all make decisions. We all make plans every day. Some of them are good. Some of them are not. Like, recently, my daughter, Abby, she's a sophomore. She's going through her junior schedule. And she was saying, okay, do I take all the honors classes or do I survive to see my senior year? You know, <laughs> decisions to make. There's, should I, maybe there's something that's crossed your mind. There's this awesome loft district down in St. Louis. Do I move to the Soulard neighborhood or do I keep living with my parents and saving the money? Hey, I've heard from your parents. They suggest you go find a place of your own, just so you know. It's the decisions to make. You got the decision of, should, you know, should I, keep, should I date this guy? Should I keep dating this guy? And, you know, if it's, a, it's my child asking the question, the Lord has called them to singleness. So the answer is no, don't date the guy. So, but we all have these decisions to make. Like, should we get married? Should we buy the house? Should we buy this car? Should we have kids? Should we have more kids? Should we be putting more into our retirement than we are? Should I take the job? Should I stick it out another year? We just got all these decisions and plans and things about our future. And some of us, you can relate to this. Maybe, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but some people are really good planners and some people not so much. Where do you fall on the spectrum? Just kind of think about that. Some people are even are over planners and some people are under planners. And some people just got everything scripted out. There's a guy I graduated from high school, really great guy. He was the over-scripted, over-planned guy. He graduated valedictorian in my class. And he was the kind of guy who's go, he's like, I'm going to graduate from college when I'm 20. I'm going to be the, the CEO of my company at 25. I'm going to be a millionaire at 30. And, you know, I'm going to retire at 40. I'm going to cure cancer in, at 50 just in my spare time. He was that guy. And I've not really followed up to see where he's at because I don't want to know because he's probably <laughs> achieved all the things he planned. And then there's the other people who are like, yeah, man, I'm 30. I probably ought to start thinking about getting a full-time job. <laughs> yes, you should. And then I've got another friend who... Um, he was a classic underplanner. Great guy, highly intelligent, loved him to pieces. We also graduated from high school together. And we, we, we're walking out of church August after we graduated from high school together. It's orientation weekend for colleges. And my friend had applied to not one but two colleges and been accepted. And as we were walking out to our cars after church, I said, so which college did you pick? Because it's orientation weekend. He said, I still haven't decided. You, you really ought to, it's today. He said, yeah, I just figured I'd load my stuff in the car, and then wherever I decide to go, that's where I'm going to go. That's what he did. I said, well, maybe I'll see you later. This is your life, dude. Maybe you ought to put a little more thought into that. Over planners and under Some people, maybe this is you. 
they, they think about what their family is going to look like, or maybe you had this thought about what, what will my family look like, and it's, some people have it really scripted down to the minute details. We're going to have four kids, we're going to live in a tiny house off the grid, and there's going to be chickens, and all planned out. And then there's others like us, you know, like life happens, and oh, this, this is what we end up with, right? And it's like the, the quip that says, yeah, before I got married, I had three theories on child raising, now I have three kids and no theories. That's... So that's, uh, I think that you could probably relate to this and agree to this too. Do we not make better decisions and do we not have a better outcome when we plan ahead? Put some thought into what we're going to do. Think about where we would eventually like to be and maybe even seek some wisdom and some guidance and advice about how we get there, right? It turns out better when you do that, right? That's what this whole series, Wisdom, has been about. What we've been doing is just taking the Bible and saying, what is the wisdom of God about how to live life? so that I can have a better outcome in my future as I plan ahead. So what we've been doing is we've been taking the book of Proverbs, and you can go ahead and find that in your Bible if you'd like to right now. So Proverbs is a collection of the wise sayings and teachings of King Solomon of Israel, mainly. There's a few other Proverbs in there. And you might be thinking, well, why would I want to listen to King Solomon? Why? What makes him better than anybody else? There's a true story about his life that when he became king, God came to him in a vision and said, what do you want? And Solomon said, I need wisdom to be a good king. And God said, that's an awesome thing, and I'm going to give it to you. You'll be the smartest person who's ever lived. People from all over the world came to get wisdom and insight from Solomon because he was such a smart guy. And a lot of his wisdom has been collected here, and so you can learn from one of the smartest people who's ever lived. And God also gave him incredible wealth. That's a whole different story. He was just a really sharp guy. What we learned as we've gone through the series is wisdom is the skill of making great choices, which leads to a great life. And if, if it's a skill, obviously you can get better at it with practice, and so that's what we're trying to do. Let's get some guidance from God, let's get some insight, let's practice wisdom so that we get better at, at planning. Today we're going to talk about the wisdom of making good plans. So if you've got this, you got it? Mm-hmm. Proverbs 16.1. Let's go ahead and read this. Um, this is the NIV. If you ever see me not reading out of this, it's because I'm just reading a different English translation, and I've got it typed here. It's not like I don't read this, but uh, I'm actually today, right now, going to read this out of the New Living Translation. This will be up on the screen. Proverbs 16.1. It says here, we can make our own plans, but the Lord gives the right answer. So we can make our own plans. Listen to that. We can make our own plans, but the Lord gives the right answer. So let me ask you a question here. Go ahead and look at that verse Whose plans are they? Where is the ownership word? Not a trick question. Us. First service didn't get it right. You guys get gold star and A+. They are legitimately our plans. We can make plans. God's not against you making plans. It's not like God says, wait a minute, what are you doing? Quit thinking for yourself. I want you just to let me tell you exactly. He's not a control freak. God is good with you making plans. He's good with me. That's why he gave us a free will. He expects you to use the intelligence he gave you. He expects you to seek out wisdom and make plans for your life. Make dreams. Think about what you'd like to be doing five and ten years from now and work toward it. That's good with him. You're not program, running some pre-programmed routine where God has already picked every single thing that you're going to do in your life and you have no choice in the matter. We make the plans. And that word plans there, it's, it carries with it the idea of something that you put some thought into. This is not impulsive. It's not just it occurs to you and you do it. It's, you've really laid some groundwork here about what you're going to do. You planned ahead. It's not impulsive like driving down Mid-River's Mall Drive, and all of a sudden you find yourself saying, yeah, I'll, you're at Silky's in the drive-up saying, I'll have a Muddy Sneakers and make it with chocolate custard. And you see how well I know exactly what my order would be? <laughs> I'm making poor choices again. 
No, this is not like that. Like something impulsive, like you're driving by, oh, here is QT, what prevents me from having an icy cold Diet Mountain Dew? It's, no, it's more thought than that. You've, you've really thought, what am I going to do? It's, it's not impulsive. And it's your plan. If you think about it, you right now are literally sitting in the culmination and the result of a plan that started four years ago. You are literally in the outcome of a plan from four years ago. Rhonda Page pulled together a building team. Some of you were on that building team and on it still and uh, started talking to all the people in the church, ministry leaders, what do we need a church building to do for us? And what do we need it to look like? And how can we make it an attractive and inviting thing so that anybody in Darden Prairie in this area will know there's room for you here. We want you here. We plan for you. We've made an inviting, warm space where you can come learn about God, where your children can be taught in a safe environment, where all of us can fellowship together and truly be that family that we are. And four years later, here we are in this beautiful building. And I'll keep telling you this as time goes on. There's going to be more changes. So every week when you come, there's going to be little surprises kind of like this. And it's going to be great. This is a place where we're putting down deep roots for many years. And these are our plans. But at the same time, let's go back to that verse again. We can make our own plans, but who gives the right answer? The Lord. We're not in this on our own. There's a balance here. What does it mean? that the Lord gives the answer. One thing I find helpful, and I'll just share with you, if you don't understand what one verse of the Bible means, sometimes it's good to see if there's anything else in the Bible that talks about that, and let the Bible help you interpret the Bible. There's another proverb that's very similar to this. It's Proverbs 19.21. I'm going to read this again out of the New Living Translation. You can make many plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. Think about that. So, we make our plans, but the Lord gives the answer. We can make our plans, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. Let me give you an analogy that maybe how that works. How can I make a plan? How can I say, I'm going to do this, this, and this, and yet it's the Lord who gets what he wants? Well, let's, let me give you an analogy. If you know me, you've heard me probably talk about our, our dog. We have a chocolate lab named Rosie. She's amazing. We've had her for many years, and she's like an awesome part of our family. Not so much of a good planner, though. Very impulsive. We'll be walking down because you've got its routine. We're, we walk her twice a day. It does, if it's raining and it's 6 o'clock at night, we'll be outside. Just know it. If it's raining at 6 in the morning, we will be out there two times a day. So we're walking. Everything's copacetic. I've got Rosie on the leash. We're doing fine. And all of a sudden, my arm is being yanked out of the socket as she has gone straight into the middle of the street with the leash because French fry. Labs are very food-oriented, and she's like, yeah, great. I always wanted to play Frogger across five lanes of canals to traffic. You know, this is great. We're both going to die here. So here's the thing about Rosie. As much as she can be impulsive, she is also very much about the routine. Some of you who have toddlers, you'll appreciate this because Labrador Retrievers are toddlers that never grow up. They're just about very few simple things. She has a routine every single day. Here's our life. Rosie says, I'm going to get up at 6 in the morning. I know that it's Sunday or Saturday and you don't have to get up at 6, but we're going to get up at 6 because that's what we do every day. So she wakes us up at 6 and then she says, we're going to go for a walk. I'm going to poop in someone's yard and you're going to pick it up because that's what we always do. Then we're going to go home and you're going to feed me. I'm going to cry like a baby until you feed me because I'm starving to death, literally. Then, we, then after that, we're going to play like I'm a toddler, not a 13-year-old dog. And then I'm going to take a nap and I'm going to sleep all day. And that is her world. And lather, rinse, repeat. She's very into her plan. And for our part, our family's been good to oblige her with that. However, there are times where we can't do the routine. 
and she does not like it. There's times where we have to go, we're going to have to not walk now, we're going to have to wait, and you're not going to get to eat until maybe 7 o'clock instead of 6 o'clock. Oh, the horror. But there are times that we have to adjust her schedule. I can't make her understand she's a dog, but there are things that I know as the master that I know it's not in her best interest to go get the french fry in the middle of the street. I have to say no. I know that I've got other things that have to happen. We're going to have to feed you a little bit later. Take this into the realm of children. If you're a parent, you're going to immediately get this. If you're not a parent, you can probably imagine what this would be like. If you have little children, parents love to say yes to their kids. We, we don't enjoy being mean and saying no. There's just times that we have to because I'm older than you, and I know that when you stick the knife in the socket, it's not going to go well for either one of us. You're not going to enjoy it, and I don't want to explain it to the doctor at the ER, so let's just not do that. And they think you're a horrible person because you're telling them no. No, I'm saying no because you've got a plan, and I'm going to have to say no. Now, think about how this translates as your kids get older. And I think everyone in the room can relate to this because even if you don't have an older child, you've been an older child. Are there not times where as your children get older, you just have to step back? And you're not going to, you can tell them no, but they're not going to listen. They're 17. They know everything. I knew everything when I was 17. I don't know how you were. You were probably perfect. Maybe it's just me. And sometimes our parents, even though they love us and they know this is not going to end well, they step back and go, go ahead and see where your plans take you. Now, so think about this in the terms of God. God is our heavenly father. And there are times where we make our plans and God does intervene and go, no, I'm just going to go ahead and put a stop to this right now because I am. Do you ever wonder why there are times where God doesn't stop some things that he probably should have stopped or could have stopped? I mean, that's honestly a big objection some people have to being a Christian. Like, if there is a God and he's good, why doesn't he stop some of these horrible things? There may be things in your life that you're thinking, I would have kind of liked God to step in and prevent somebody else's free will. Because I suffered as a result of what they did or did not do. It doesn't mean, when we talk about the Lord giving the answer to our plans, that God makes every single specific thing work out. For one thing, you think about this. If God came in and fixed every single thing you did, if it wasn't the right thing, would you have free will anymore? No. I mean, he has to respect that. Will God eventually fix everything? That's the message of the Bible right there. If you want to know why I'm a Christian, it's because by the end of this, when you scan out far enough, when you go long enough in history, there's going to come a time in the future where everything is absolutely going to be the way it should be. And it may not be immediately, but it will be eventually. That's what Jesus coming to die on the cross is all about. It's God becoming one of us to fix what's wrong with us. It's him inserting himself into history and saying, I'm not willing to just let you all perish. I'm going to step in and I'm going to save you. I'm going to forgive you. I'm going to redeem you. I'm going to restore this world. And everybody who dies, I'm going to bring them back to life in a real physical body, in a real physical place. Now, does that happen immediately? No, but it will happen eventually. Does God fix everything that we do? No, which then says we ought to be all the more careful to be wise about the plans and decisions we make because God will not step in and stop every stupid thing that we do. So here's a couple of things that I'd like you to think about. In fact, I'd say this is key. If you want to write this down on that worship folder you got or just think about this, our maximum success in our life will happen when we allow God to guide our plans totally your free will. You can plan your future five years from now, 10 years from now, 20 years from now. 
man, you want ultimate success, you ought to be asking God, hey, help me out here. A couple of questions you may want to ask. Are my plans aligned with God's plans? And then here's another one. Are my priorities aligned with God's priorities? Let's go back to that first question. Are my plans aligned with God's plan is a great question to ask. Do you ever just stop and pray that? God, here's what I'm thinking about doing. Here's what I would like to do. I'm thinking about what college I'm going to go to, or I'm thinking about what I'm going to do with my career. I'm thinking about how I'm going to spend this extra money that I've got that I didn't anticipate. What would you suggest I do? So there's a great proverb, another one, and you can look at this on the screen. This is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he'll make your paths straight. And what's that saying is, God knows what's the best outcome, and when you align yourself with that, and when you seek his wisdom and you ask for his input, you're ultimately going to find yourself in the best place because you trusted God and not just what you thought in your own mind was going to be the great outcome. So many times, I can look back and I can see where Things could have turned out better than they did for me if I would have just stopped and listened to the warning that God was giving me, saying, hey, you sure you want to do that? You sure that's the direction you want to go? Anybody, uh, are you familiar with Cormac McCarthy, the author? There's, there's like three movies that everybody knows. The Road with, and, uh, with Viggo Mortensen and uh, what's that? No Country for Old Men, Josh Brolin, I think is he in that? And then uh, All the Pretty Horses with Matt Damon, Penelope Cruz. Is this ringing any bell or am I just... Yeah, okay. I love the books. I don't think, yeah, I think I maybe seen all the movies, but so All the Pretty Horses. If it helps you to think of it, it's Matt Damon and Penelope Cruz, this older movie. But in this book, there's a couple of guys, they're teenagers, uh, older teenagers in West Texas, right after World War II. They get on their horses and they ride across the Rio Grande into to Mexico for an adventure. They're not too far into their adventure when another, like, junior high kid, scrawny kid, Jimmy Blevins rides up on what the other two guys immediately perceived to be a stolen horse. And they realize his name's probably not even Jimmy Blevins. The kid's lying to us. And then so these two older teenagers get into an argument about whether they should allow him to continue on with them into Mexico. And Lacey Rawlings, one of the guys, is like, he's trouble. We're not taking him with us. John Grady Cole, Matt Damon, is uh, saying, well, he's got a soft heart. And he's like, let's just take him. He'll be fine. So they have this conversation. I love this. Rawlings, the, the sensible one. I'm going to tell you something, cousin. John Grady spits. All right. Now listen to this. Ever dumb thing I ever done in my life, there was a decision I made before that got me into it. It was never the dumb thing. It was always some choice I made before it. Can anybody relate to that? It was always some choice I made before it. You understand what I'm saying? I think I can relate to that. There's always times I can replay the movie in my head, and I always go back, and there was a moment where there was a little voice in my head saying, are you sure about this? Maybe you shouldn't do that. Maybe you shouldn't say that. And invariably, if I ignore the voice, I, I regret it. And there was the moment before the moment, the moment before the decision when things could have done differently. So that's why it's so wise to stop and say, am I on the same page with God on this? What does God think about what I'm thinking about doing or planning on doing? And here's a, a whole lot of times God has already said, you don't have to be in the dark. You don't have to try to pray and, and listen. Like just read this. God has been very clear on a whole lot of things. And I love it when God is obvious, when it just says, do this or don't do that, because I don't even have to think about it. Just go, it's always going to work out best if I just stick with what he's already said. And there's so many times that I wonder if we don't ask 
because we really don't want to know the answer. Like, you don't want to ask God, should I not do this or should I make these plans? Because you really know in your heart of hearts already, and you just don't want to know what the answer is. So there's another proverb that says this, Proverbs 16.3, commit to the Lord whatever you do, and God will establish your plans. I don't know about you, but I would love to know that whatever I'm planning for my future, that God's standing behind it. I feel the most comfortable. I've had that experience in my life, and I love it. So here's the question. As I'm making my thoughts and plans and dreams for the future, have I asked God, what do you think about this? But here's another question, and it's so powerful. Listen to this. Are my priorities in line with God's priorities? There's a humility in saying, you know, God, I would like to do this, but what do you think about this? Because I don't always know what is best, but you do. So help me figure out where I should be putting the bulk of my energy and my resources and my time and my money. So there's a, there's, there's a proverb, Proverbs 27, one that kind of talks about this idea. It says, don't brag about tomorrow. You don't know what the day will bring. What you think might happen, God knows it's not going to end up any way like you thought it was. There's another verse in the New Testament. If you were to go toward the end of the Bible, you would find a book called James. James is the half-brother of Jesus. Didn't believe in Jesus during his lifetime. But there's the whole thing of Jesus raising from the dead kind of changed his mind, changed a lot of people's minds about Jesus. And he became this amazing preacher. He was an elder in the church at Jerusalem, just a solid guy, got a book at the Bible. And we think it's his sermon notes. Some people call James the Proverbs of the New Testament, just very practical. So if you were to go over to James chapter 4, verse 13, it talks about this. Go ahead and find it here. Listen, you who say, today or tomorrow, we're going to go to this or that city, spend a year, carry on business, make money. Hey, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What's your life? You're like a mist that appears for a while and then vanishes. Instead, here's what you ought to say. If it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or do that. As it is, you're boasting and bragging, and all that boasting is just evil. So this is why I'm saying it's so beneficial to make sure that your priorities line up with God's priorities. Because here's, I don't know if you've really think about what a priority is. It's where you spend the majority of your time and your money and your energy. And here's the thing, and you know this too. We can say something is a priority. That doesn't mean it really is, right? You can say my wife and kids are a priority, but how many hours of the day did I actually spend with them? You know, I could say that my health is my priority, one of my priorities, how many times did I check in at the gym? I mean, this is easily verifiable. You can say something is a priority, but if your actions don't match it, then it's not a priority in your life. I'm not trying to be harsh, that's just the reality. If you say that my finances and getting them in order are, are my highest priority, and you continue to put stuff on a credit card and go further and further into debt, it's really not a priority. So here's the question. What priority have I placed on the most important people and things in my life? Here's the thing that I don't think we always think about. Where we will eventually be five years from now, ten years from now, just a year from now, is a result of the choices and the plans and decisions we make right now, right? How healthy I am a year from now has a lot to do with how many times I go to the gym this year. How financially fit I am a year from now has a lot to do with whether or not I pay attention to my budget. How good my marriage is, how good my spiritual relationship with God is, how many times did I show up here with you all and, and worship and have time with you? So where am I putting the priority? Because our plans are really just an expression of our priorities plotted over time. Literally, your plans are you taking your priorities and putting them in your calendar. And here's the thing. We say things are priority, but I think here's what, if I could just sum up American life in 2018, 
it's everything is the highest priority. I want to say yes to everything, and I will do my best to give it my energy and give everything. But here's what happens. I want to visualize this for you because I think it's much more powerful than just telling you this. So is Michael here? Michael, I've got a volunteer who's going to help me here. That's where these come in. So here's what we do to ourselves. I I wanted somebody who could actually catch, and I can't, so I'm going to be the one who throws. We're really good at saying yes to everything. Hey, you want to play a round of golf? Hey, can you take some extra hours at work? You want to take another project on? You to involve some travel. Nope. Yeah, that's how things start, right? Hey, so you want to hang out? Should we hang out? Should we, should we sign the kids up for soccer? Yeah. Should we sign them up for dance? Yeah. Should we sign them up for gymnastics? Yeah. Should we sign them up for... Yeah, let's go ahead and sign them up for that too. Should we hang out with them Friday night? Yeah, of course. And should, should we buy that? Well, yeah. Well, the credit card's... On, we'll just put it on the credit card anyway. We'll pay it off next month. Yeah. Here's what we do. We just start doing this and this, and we say yes to everything because everything's going to be a priority, and then this comes along. The truly important things... Dad, would you? Son, I'm really going to need you to. How do you do this when you've already said yes? Is it no wonder we're all overwhelmed? I won't do this to the brand new carpet. But I want you to think about this. We're saying yes to this, this, and this, and we're making everything the highest priority, and we have no bandwidth for the things that really matter. And this isn't funny. This is your life. This is your choices. The wisdom that we're learning here is to say yes to the most important things, to start learning to say no to the things that are good but just don't matter, when in the end, there's very few things that really matter that you're going to look back at the end of your life and look back on and be happy you spent time and energy on. And it's your family, it's your friends, it's your health, it's, it's your relationship ultimately with the Lord, which is the first thing. If you get your relationship with the Lord right, everything else seems to fall in order. <clears throat> and here's the challenge for us. How do we take the wisdom of God and say, I want the best things to be the most important things. I want to structure my life. I want to make plans towards the best things. It's asking God, help me figure this out. It's asking God, show me the right priorities and help me do it. Because here's what I know about me. If it's all up to me, it's not going to get done. I'm just not that disciplined. I'm just not that good a person. I need God's help. And I love you all. And I have a high regard for you. But you're not any different than me. All of us need God's help. That's why we're here. And it's not a bad thing to say that. I'm here. I fully acknowledge I need God to get things right in my life, to fix things I can't. And so it's God, help me say yes to the things that matter most. Help me say yes to my family. Help me say yes to being with my church family to worship every week. Help me to say yes to uh, the things that are most important with my friends. A pastor that I really admire, and I've, he's been a mentor to me for a long time, Mike Bro. He's a pastor out in California, and just re- recently renovated a house that was very close to the fires that they had out there a couple while back in Ventura. And just rehabbed this house, and they got the call at four in the morning, the fires are coming, and opened the blinds, there it is, quarter mile from the house. What do you think they were throwing in the car at four in the morning as the fires are racing toward their house? I'm going to make sure my family is in that car. 
important pictures and files. And you know what happened? The, the fire didn't get to the house. But Mike said later, you know, as I was sitting in the car driving away, it didn't occur to me once that three weeks ago I installed that tankless water heater and I better turn around and go back and pull that out. Isn't it funny how things can, like that can clarify what's really, truly most important? Why don't we not wait for the emergency and just ask right now, very humbly, God, what do I need to do to make the right things, the best things, the first things?